Welcome to the Burning Hearts Podcast. My name is Nate and I'm one of the pastors here at Burning Hearts Church. And today we're recording with Trisha Glanzer. And Trisha is um, a new member of our staff. She just came on as the, the children's director a couple months now. And I just thought it would be great for our family to get to know her a little bit better, uh, know who who parents are sending their kids to, to hang out with for a while on Sunday mornings. and, and she just has uh, a powerful love of Jesus that's so evident in her life. And so I'm excited for, for the interview today. Thank you. Thank you for having me, Pastor Nate. No problem. So let's let's jump in. And first of all, I just want you to share a little bit about your, your family history. I know that you are a, a PK for the people out there that don't know what that means. That's a pastor's kid. Um, how, how did that affect your childhood growing up? How, what was it like? It affected me greatly. I think I could write a few books about being a pastor's kid. Yeah. Some of them would be humorous and some of them serious. It was an incredible blessing, but to be honest, it was really hard at times. It's really hard to share your parents with so many people. Mm -hmm. As a kid, I really struggled with having to share my parents with everybody. But as an adult, I look back and I see how many lives and how many people that my parents impacted for the kingdom of God. And now I understand, you know, not only were my parents called to be pastors, but you know, God chose me to be a pastor's kid. So it is a huge blessing and at times it can be really stressful too. Yeah, so it was definitely not not all positive, would you say? What were what were some of the biggest challenges for, for you and your family? I think one of the greatest lessons I learned from being a pastor's kid is how to handle hurt in the church world. Hmm. I mean, let's be honest, it happens, it's real, you right. know, it happens. As a kid, I couldn't quite process it, but as an adult, I've looked back and I've realized some things, like hurt does happen in the church. But I've learned as an adult that we magnify it when it happens in the church, and I think it stings a little bit more, but to be honest, it happens in every profession. Mm -hmm. My husband works in the business world, things happen there. I was a teacher in public education for a long time, things happen there. So as an adult, I've learned that no matter what avenue you're in, I mean, hurt is a part of life. So it's gonna happen no matter what. Yeah, and just a follow-up question, this is, you know, near and dear to my heart as my kids are now pastor's kids, what advice might you have for a family that's in ministry, whether it's missions, whether it's pastoring, whether it's um, whatever type of ministry position? Um, do you have any lessons learned or advice that you might have for a oh, family? Oh man, I have so much advice. We might have to do another podcast on that <laughs> one. But for all my pastor's friends and all the pastor's kids that are listening, there are some things that we learned as a family going on. One thing that my parents openly admit now is that they should have had better boundaries boundaries with their time. I mean, I grew up in a house where people were always in our house. Holidays, there was always people there. And looking back, they've actually apologized to my sister and I, and they've said, you know, we should have had better boundaries and we should have protected our family time more. But at the same time, I wanna say this too, I'm a deeply compassionate person because my parents let me be a part of ministry. When my dad went to the hospital to pray for sick people, he took me with. Yeah. So I learned how to pray. I 
learned compassion. I learned yeah. about healing. When my dad went to the nursing homes, he would bring me with and I would sing and he would preach. Mm-hmm. And he, when he went to go pray with people, he let me be with him. So my one advice to pastors is let your kids be a part of it as much as they want to be a part of it. Now, you can't force a kid that doesn't want to be a part of it. But if your child has a natural interest, take them with. I really feel like I learned how to pray at my parents' kneecap. Mm -hmm. When my dad and mom were doing altar calls, I mean, they let me be down there with them. And I would just sit and watch them pray. I would be in the room with adults during prayer meetings, and I learned how to intercede. So let your kids be a part of it. I never felt like the ministry was what mom and dad do, and now I have to go be at home and be by myself. Right. My parents let me be a part of it, but yet you still have to set boundaries at the same time and protect your own family time yeah. for sure. Yeah, that's that's really great advice. And and like you said, it, it transformed you, and you are who you are today because of um, the experiences you had with your with your parents doing ministry. So encouraging to me to personally <laughs> to hear that from you. So well. Tell me a little bit about um, just your history with Jesus. How did you come to know him? Obviously, being a pastor's kid, that, that <laughs> had a big part of it, but we, we all have our own journey. So, so what was yours? Well, I was nine years old when I actually gave my heart to Jesus, and my mom was preaching, and I still remember the moment so much. It was a Sunday night, and my mom preached a sermon called Reflect His Light, and she was super creative when she preached. She had mirrors up there, and she gave everyone a mirror to take take home. And and I still to this day remember her sermon. And I actually just felt the tug of God on my heart and I wanted to give my heart to Jesus. And I did that moment. And I just remember sitting on the pew and a really cool story, Pastor Nate, is I actually have a pew from my dad's very first church in Wisconsin in my home. And it's so sentimental and it's so special to me because as a little girl, I used to sit on that pew mm. and watch my parents preach. And I experienced the power of God on that pew. So I actually have it in my prayer room. That's cool. And not that the Holy Spirit is in that pew, but there's something really special to me because it represents my childhood. Yeah, it's like the stones of remembrance when the Israelites passed over the Jordan. So that's really cool. Um, A follow-up to that, you know, you you encountered Jesus when you were nine. When would you say that you encountered Holy Spirit? You know, to be honest with you, I never knew anything separate from the Holy Spirit Hmm. because it was such a big part of who my parents were and their ministry. I remember being a little girl and just spending hours and hours at the altars. My dad always told me, he said, Trisha, every time I give an altar call, I want you to go down and meet with God. Hmm. But then he would always say, but how long you spend there is between you and God. He would say, I can't tell you how long to be there. So honestly, as a little girl, I spent hours and hours at the altar. And I don't ever remember the Holy Spirit not being a part of my life because yeah. it was such a part of our upbringing. Yeah. So I don't think I knew anything different. Yeah, have you experienced, or when when would you say you experienced like a, a filling of the Holy Spirit or baptism of the Holy Spirit as some people might call it? Definitely, I would say around the age of 10 or 11. Okay. I remember being at an altar and I just remember the presence of God just coming over me and I remember being filled and for me I was never able to be that rebellious pastor's kid because I tried I really did (laughs) but I didn't get very rebellious because I just I had so many God encounters that I knew it was real yeah so like I just pray that young people and kids 
have the head knowledge, but they get the heart experience yeah. too. Because my head knew it was real and my heart had experienced God at altars. So I would say around the age of 10 or 11, I really felt the baptism of the Holy Spirit come over me and I began to speak in tongues. And that's been a part of my life ever since. Awesome. That's really good. So you've shared some really wonderful experiences that you've had um, growing up and, and with the Lord. Um, but now I just want to ask, are there some things that you've had to um, struggle with? I, I think it, it's so important for us as, as pastors and staff. A lot of people look at us and they're like, oh, those people are perfect. And the truth of it is, is not. And, and we've walked through difficult things. And so can you take us on a journey of any diff difficult things that you've walked through? Yeah, absolutely. I've been a Christian my whole life, but that doesn't mean I haven't had my struggles. And that doesn't mean that I haven't had things I've had to overcome. In my 20s, I actually struggled with a really bad eating disorder. Mm -hmm. And I'm just going to be honest and real with you, that almost got me. Mm -hmm. I mean, I came really close to death. Wow. My parents were very scared for me. I had doctors tell me that, you know, if you continue on this path, you're not going to have children. Wow. Um, and I actually had this radical encounter with God. And when I was about 23 years old, I was sleeping in the middle of the night. I was in college on my own. You know, my parents weren't around or anything. Yeah. And God woke me up in the middle of the night. And I clearly heard God say to me, Trisha, this is your last chance. Either hmm. you start trying to get help or you're never going to have kids. Wow. And I had a conversation with God that night. And I was so deeply impacted by it. He said to me, I am promising you that you will have a daughter someday. Hmm. But this is the line I'm drawing in the sand. You know, I think sometimes we forget God is so loving, but he disciplines us because he loves us. Yeah. And I really felt like he was kind of disciplining me that night saying, like a father figure saying, hey, this is your last chance. Yeah. Either you go get help and try to do this or the consequence will be you'll never have kids someday. Uh -huh. So I did this really cool thing and I'll try not to get emotional when I talk about it. That's but okay if you do. At three in the morning, I wrote this letter. And this is going to sound weird, but I wrote a letter to my future daughter hmm. because God made a covenant with me that night. And he said, if you will get help, you will have a daughter. So I wrote a letter to my future daughter and I said, this is your mom. I'm struggling with an eating disorder, but I'm going to try to get help for you. Hmm. You know, I loved her before she was ever born. Yeah. And I really knew that night that God was serious with me. So here's a cool part, Pastor Nate. Just this week, I actually found that letter. Oh, wow. And I took the letter out and I read it to my daughter. Oh, that's beautiful. And I've never let anybody read it. I haven't read it to my husband. I didn't read it to mm. my parents. But I actually took my daughter aside this week and I read her the letter. And wow. it was 23 years ago wow. that I wrote the letter. And I wanted to read it to her this week because I wanted her to know that no matter what happens in life, She's yeah. an overcomer. Yeah. And that if I could overcome an eating disorder and God could make this covenant with me, mm. no matter what she faces the rest of her life, she has that same spirit in her. Yeah. So it was really a powerful moment. Yeah. And what a powerful thing for her, like whatever struggles she might face in the future, she can look at this and say, God is so real. Right. God is right. so real. That's yeah. amazing. A couple of follow-up questions. You know, for people out there that might not have had an encounter with God in, in that um, way, uh, just how did you experience 
God in that moment? Like, did you hear an audible voice? Was it like just strong inside your head? How, how would you describe it to, to the listeners? Yeah, that's a great question. God actually woke me up in the middle of the night. Like I, I literally woke up out of my sleep, kind of startled. Like yeah. I didn't know why I had, I had woken up. And then all of a sudden I was wide awake and I just heard God whisper my name. Mm. And I knew somebody was trying to get my attention. And, I, and then from that point on, I wouldn't say it was an audible voice. Like yeah. I didn't have, he wasn't in my room when I saw him. Yeah, yeah. But he spoke these things into my heart. And yeah. I actually like, it's almost like God and I had a conversation. It yeah. was really cool. Yeah. Um, so I felt his presence and he kind of spoke things into my heart, but he literally woke me up. It was like amazing. God was pursuing me and chasing me. Yeah. I'm forever grateful that he yeah. pursued me. So in that moment, did you feel, you know, a lot of times when people have um, encounters or visitations with the Lord or angels of the of the Lord in the Bible, the first things out of the word are fear not. Did you feel a sense of that awe or fear or was it just complete love or warmth or a combination of the two? What, what was it like for you? It wasn't fear. Like for some reason, I just knew it was God yeah. and I felt peace. I wasn't like... I wasn't startled like, oh, somebody's in my room. I'm scared. I'm about to get burglarized. Right. It wasn't that kind of a feeling. Yeah. Like I had peace and I, I knew it was God. For some, I don't know how I knew that, but I knew it was God. It was a peace. But I will say this. God was stern with me that night. I mm. mean, God was drawing yeah. a clear line in the sand. What had happened was up to that point, I was going to college in Minneapolis and my parents had made several trips up to Minneapolis and they forced me into treatment. Mm. They would put me in the car and say, you're going to do this. You're going to treatment. And I would go to treatment, but the minute they went back home, I quit, Didn't I dropped leave. out, okay. you know, and that's the thing about addiction until the person wants to get help, you know, yeah. it's not going to happen. But after that encounter with God, I went and put myself in treatment without wow. my parents forcing me. That was the turning point where I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. Yeah. You know? That's amazing. Such, uh, he's such a good God. Oh, you know, he so <laughs> is. And Pastor Nate, can I tell you one more story? Sure. Okay, I had this God encounter a few months ago. So as you know, I'm taking a class to get licensed as a pastor. And this is such a God thing. The professor had us look up a certain scripture verse. And for some reason, I had asked my mom if I could borrow her Bible because I love her Bible for the class. And I, I turned to the scripture verse and I had been doing homework for like three hours and I was really in, focused on like, you know, I was in like studious mode. Yeah. And I, I opened up my Bible and I looked at the verse the professor told me. And in this Bible, in my mom's handwriting, it was dated back 23 years ago. And it said, God is working a miracle in Trisha. She oh. will be healed of anorexia. Wow. And I begin to bawl like a baby. I was just completely undone. It's like God wanted to remind me in that yeah. moment. I am the author of these redemptive stories. Yeah. And it was such a powerful moment. I like called my mom on the phone and she was bawling and <laughs> I was right. bawling. And it was just like, God, it's been 23 years ago and you just wanted to remind me that mercy says no. Yeah. I'm not going to let you go. Yeah. You know, he doesn't give up on us. That's right. That's so beautiful. Man, this is just an amazing story and something that's very like present and real in your life right yeah, now. Yeah, for sure. So thank you for, for being vulnerable with your story and, and sharing it because I know people listening will be blessed. And, and if there's someone out there listening that struggles with addiction, maybe especially in this, this area of, of eating disorders, um, 
you just heard it that that God can set you free. Yeah, and I just want to say, Pastor Nate, God has about six months ago. God impressed on my heart that there's somebody out there who's struggling with an eating disorder, and I don't know who you are, mm-hmm. but I've been praying for this person. Yeah. So if there's anybody out there listening that is struggling with an eating disorder, or perhaps you're a parent. Yeah. of somebody who's struggling with an eating disorder, please reach out to me. If you don't know me personally, call the church and they'll give you my contact yeah. information. But there's somebody out there I'm supposed to connect with and I don't know your name, but I am praying for you. Yeah, yeah, I, I feel that too. That's that's why I said it. And it's like, Jesus came to set the captives yes. free. Uh, Isaiah 61, he came to set the captives free. And so if you are captive in this area, he wants so much for you to have freedom. That's so good. Um, we're going to transition a little bit. Uh, like we mentioned at the, the beginning of, of our interview, uh, you've recently stepped into a new role here at, at church. Um, what's that been like for you? Well, honestly, it hasn't been that big of a change because I've been doing ministry my whole life and I was already doing junior Bible quizzing. So can I just tell you, I have so much fun with these kids. I'm having so much fun on Sunday mornings. These kids are so fun to be with. So it's actually just been like, something I've been doing my whole life. So that's good. It's that's been a continuation. <laughs> <laughs> and and we kind of talked about how your parents included you um, as as they were doing ministry. And I've I've watched, I've observed um, from the side watching how how you and, and your husband Travis do things and you've done the same thing. You're including your kids in what you uh, do. Have you noticed changes in their lives or have they given you feedback like mom i love doing this or or would you stop forcing me to help you with this (laughs) (laughs) well they actually are enjoying it i do believe that you can't force kids right you know because if you don't have a natural heart or tendency for it then you're gonna see rebellion i naturally had that in my heart so when my parents let me do it it was a natural flow but my kids are enjoying it and when i was a little girl every time my mom preached she would take me with and Mm -hmm. i would sit on the front row and i would listen to her preach and honestly that's how i learned how to preach you know i sat on the pew and i watched my daddy preach for you know most of my life so i mean this was like really life school of ministry, hands-on learning. So it's really important for me, for my kids to see it. But as a pastor's kid, I will say this, I've been checking in on my kids weekly, you know, and I've been saying, how are you doing with all this? Mm -hmm. You know, is it hard to share mom? Are you overwhelmed? And we've been having weekly conversations about it at bedtime, and I've been just checking in on their hearts. And as a pastor, I think you have to check in on your kids Mm -hmm. and just say, hey, you know, what are you thinking and feeling? What are your thoughts? Are you doing okay with this, you know? So it is hard to share your parents, that is hard. But we have to keep connecting with them. That's really good. Yeah, I had a discussion with one of my children the other day. We had uh, a guest speaker coming in to church, and and she was just you know feeling like she was hesitating to go, and we finally were like, you know, wh- why why don't you want to come? You always love coming to church, and she's like, I'm afraid to be prophesied over. Oh, that's and, too funny! <laughs> yeah. Oh my goodness, I love it. And so we just kind of had this conversation, like, oh, why? You know that like that's that's God's thoughts towards you. Like, right. You know, you don't need to be afraid of that. So right. it's just one one of those those moments. But yeah, it's so important to to talk to your kids, and I would say even. Even for children that are not, you know, pastor's kids, um, those just going to kids' church, going to our Sunday services, check in with them too. Like, what are they experiencing? How are they experiencing the worship? How are they experiencing the preaching? How are they 
interacting with those around them. If, uh, you know, sometimes the Holy Spirit moves on people and they do crazy things like, right. okay, how, you know, was that scary to you? This is what was happening or explaining like, you know what, sometimes people do things, you know, partially out of the spirit and partially out of the flesh mm-hmm. and just kind of talking through those things is so important, especially in a culture like we have um, here at church where we're we're going after revival, we're going after the presence of God. Right. And and sometimes the Holy Spirit does things we can't understand and sometimes weird people are attracted to it, mm-hmm, you know. For and so, sure. Yeah, we need to navigate through all of that with our kids. Another thing I've noticed just not even from afar, but just in in how you present yourself in all the time that you and your husband and your family have have poured into uh, junior Bible quizzing. Like obviously, you you love uh, the Word of God. Um, did you always have that value? Is that something you know? You're, just your parents model for you, and you picked it up, or something that you grew later on in your life? How how was that for you? That's a good question. My parents definitely prioritized it, but I will say this: I read the Bible when I was younger, but I didn't necessarily understand everything I read. Sure. Even in a Christian home, it takes time to understand and comprehend. And I read through the Bible when I was younger, which kind of gave me a base, but I didn't really start to comprehend and have those light bulb moments until the second and third and fourth time I read through the Bible. Mm -hmm. But once you begin to have those light bulb moments, you can't put that book down. It's like, what, that's in there? I need to know more. So as I got older, I definitely comprehended more. So I would just encourage anybody, if you're struggling to read the Bible, you gotta just cold read it. You gotta do it once. And then that's like your prior knowledge in the teaching world, we would say you have to have a prior knowledge with something before you learn a new concept. Mm-hmm. So read it once, and even if you don't understand it, because the second time through, you'll have prior knowledge and you're going to make those connections for sure. Yeah, that's really good. Can you take uh, the listeners through um, just an example of how you personally either read or I sometimes look at it differently between just reading the Bible devotionally and studying the Bible? Um, can you take the journey's the listeners on a journey of how you might do that on a daily basis. Absolutely. When I first, um, when I was younger, I didn't necessarily know how to do this. I was just reading the Bible. But as I've gotten older, I've learned how to actually study the Bible and comprehend the Bible. Some things I like to do is I like to read one chapter of the Bible in one translation, and then I will go read the exact same chapter in another translation. And sometimes a different translation will just give me a light bulb moment that I didn't have in one. My husband actually, when we first got married, gave me a Bible that has two translations in one Bible. So I love to read it in one translation and then read the exact same thing alongside it. That's been really powerful to me. But I've also been doing some other things that I'm really enjoying. Um, If you're struggling to read the Bible, there's some things you can do. Like one thing is get a um, study Bible. Mm -hmm. I have a couple really great study Bibles that I like. I use the Tony Evans study Bible, which I really enjoy. And I have also been using the Bible recap. Yeah. I've really been enjoying that one too. And it's it's fun to read the Bible and then read commentary on it. Mm-hmm. Now, if you want to get really deep, you know, if you want to be like Pastor Nate, here's what you do. <laughs> if you want to get that deep, I've also recently discovered Bible dictionaries. Yeah. 
And so I actually bought a couple of Bible dictionaries and I've been studying up on topics that I'm reading about. So like, for example, I'm doing a thesis paper on holiness. Well, I've been digging in these Bible dictionaries and reading the background on holiness. And that has been incredible, the yeah. stuff I'm learning. Yeah, it's wonderful. And it's just amazing all the tools that we have available to us, even online. Um there, there are so many tools. Uh, one of them that I can think of that's been wonderful, and our, our discipleship school students um, use this as, as an aid as they're going through is the Bible Project. And I they, love that one. Yeah, love and they, they make these really simple animated videos, but um, they, they just really help to uh, kind of take the veil away in, in a few ways and and we recommend our, our students watch like an overview video on on a book before they read it and it really really has helped them so that's that's a great resource and there there are many many others out there so I want to transition to talking about kids a little bit so you mentioned that you um, went to school and and were trained as a teacher uh, did you always have uh, a heart for kids and did that lead you into that career or when when did that when did you realize that you wanted to work with kids and now are doing it in a ministry context well funny story when I was in first grade I baked my mom for a red teacher's grade book and I stressed <laughs> her out so bad she ran all over town trying to find a teacher's grade book and I was just dead set that I had to have a red teacher's grade book because you know back Back there in the day, every teacher had a red yes. teacher's grade book. So I've always loved kids and I've always been passionate about it. But um, I did feel the call of God on my life in my teens and I was prophesied over that I would be in ministry. But because of church hurt and things I saw in the church world, I kind of ran from my calling. Wow. You know, and I'm kind of coming full circle now after yeah, that's after maturing and realizing that hurt happens in every avenue of life. But But I've always loved kids. That's why I became a teacher. That's really cool. Yeah, and just amazing. I didn't know know that about you, and it's wonderful how um, God can redeem time and, yes. and redeem our mistakes, and yes. and um, how we're just all on a different journey. Because uh, I've shared it before too; it's a similar journey for me as well. Not so much in church hurt, but just the Lord had me on a completely after revealing and and feeling a calling to ministry it was a, a path of you know almost 15 years before um i stepped into it so uh, he's just he's just really good that's all i can say um let's let's transition into some fun questions okay how about that <laughs> um if you could meet anyone in the world dead or alive who would it be and why Okay, well, you said fun, but this is actually kind of a serious thing. Okay, but, sorry. So I'll be fun after this, I okay, promise. Okay. okay. But I actually lost a child. Yeah. So if I could meet anyone in the world, I look forward to that hope wow. of heaven, and I can't wait to meet my baby girl in heaven. That's a whole other story for another podcast, too. Right. I had some divine God encounters with that, too. But, but I joyfully look forward to the day where I get to meet my baby in heaven. Wow. That's beautiful. Okay, that was Sorry, serious. you wanted fun now, right? Yeah. That was okay. too serious. Yeah. Do you have Do you have another answer? Okay, let's see. On a fun note, well, this is a little bit political, but I've always wanted to meet Ronald Reagan. Yeah. I always thought that would be so cool. He was such a gifted public speaker. Like, he was articulated with his words and mm -hmm. things like that. So I would love to pick his brain and talk to him. 
That's cool. I've been to the the Ronald Reagan Presidential Library before oh, so in California. Cool. So, yeah, I, I mean, I didn't I didn't know a lot about him prior to that. I'm like, wow, he was that was he lived an amazing life. Yeah, so, he did. It was really fun. Um, what brings you life uh, right now? You know, other than spending time with Jesus and and that sort of thing. What you know, hobbies, whatever it might be. What what brings you life? Well, I love kids. One of the things that brings me the most joy is being with my own children. And recently, I became a great aunt. I know that makes me sound really old, doesn't it? I like to tell people it's because I'm so good at being an auntie that God decided to make me great. But one thing that brings me so much joy is spending time with my great niece who looks just like my niece. Wow. And that's been so fun for me. It just I light up like a Christmas tree when she's in the room. That's really cool. Let's... Let's end on this question. So I'll give you a second to think about it if you need it. But if you could leave the listeners with one piece of advice right now, what would it be? Oh, I know exactly what I would say to that one. I want to tell everybody listening that if you're praying for a child or you're praying for something big in your own life, pray one more time. Mm. Sometimes I think about what would happen if my parents would have given up on me? What if they were one prayer short of my miracle? Thank goodness they didn't stop praying. So if you're praying for a loved one or you're praying for a miracle that you need in your own life, pray one more time. Your miracle is coming. Don't give up. So I'm so thankful that God did not give up on me and my parents did not give up on me. That's really good. Yeah, and we see such wonderful examples of that in the Word of God with with Jesus sharing the, the parable of the persistent widow and, and Hannah who was looking for a child and, and finally got Samuel. So um, it, if you are, are in a position where you're waiting for a miracle, waiting for a breakthrough, like, like Trisha just shared, keep praying. Um, read, those, read those stories in the Word and meditate on them and, yes. and, and pray through them because um, with, with God, nothing is impossible. All things are possible, and, and He's really good. We, that, yes, that, He is. That, uh, that theme has come out so much through this podcast. So. I hope everyone that uh, has been listening was blessed by by this interview, blessed by what Trisha had to share and just her opening up her her life to us. Um, if you, like she said, if you would like to get in contact with her personally, just uh, reach out to us at info at burningheartsfargo.com. If there are people within our body that you'd like to hear from, you say, I know this person, they have a great story to tell. Um, we want to hear from you as well. We want your feedback. And uh, we're just so thankful that you uh, joined with us today and and listened in on this interview. So thank you so much, Trisha. Thanks for having me, Pastor Nate. Awesome. So this will do it for this uh, edition of the Burning Hearts podcast. So until next time, uh, keep the fire burning. Mm -hmm.